Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeke. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. And we have so much to go over this week. Mike, we just got back from Chicago. We are exhausted. We've been on the road for five-plus hours. Um, but we're here. We're making sure we hit our deadlines like we promised our listeners every single week, Monday, 7 a.m. It's never going to change. Um you know, we just got back from Chicago, AEW Revolution, we went and go saw there. If you watched the pay-per-view, weirdly enough, something that me, neither Mike nor myself knew when we bought the tickets, but if you watched the pay-per-view, send us a screenshot of the live cam review because you would have seen the beautiful Merck Zone, you would have seen my beautiful face, as well as the brain Emily Merkel. We were there live, and we were on opposite side of the hard camera, and if you're a wrestling fan, you know what that means. We're basically, the majority of the matches are shot a certain way, and you see some of the crowd in the background. We were there. You could have seen uh, our beautiful faces there pretty much all night long. So if you did see us, uh, feel free to send us a screenshot, irbroadcastmedia at gmail.com. Send it to us on our contact page, I'm always right, PC.com, or tweet at us. Uh, at the Merck Zone, or is it at Mike Merkel, or is it at Merck Zone? Which one is it? I, Mike Merkel. At Mike Merkel, at Mike Merkel, or at Rob Mendeika, or obviously tweet it at the show, at I'm Always Right PC. We'd love to see those screenshots. We'll tag you guys. We'll give you all the credit in the world. But we were there. We were live. We saw the first ever AEW world title change, Mike, mm-hmm. at Revolution. Saw a lot of great action there. Uh, our first AEW show. Was that your first pay-per-view? Your yeah. first pay-per-view ever, right? Yes. WWE or anything else, right? Mike's first pay-per-view. My first pay-per-view probably since, I think, WrestleMania 23. So it's, it's been a hot minute since since I've been to one. You know, uh, we've been to many shows together now at this point. But let's just start off talking about AEW. They are the new hotness right now. Um, not to overshadow Ring of Honor. We have a new Ring of Honor world champion, too, in Rouge. But let's talk Moxley, new AEW champion. Your thoughts on the big title change before we go down the rest of the card. Uh, it was very deserved, and I kind of expected it to happen. Yeah. But it's nice that they pulled the trigger on yeah. it, and um, good for him. I think he's gonna have a nice little run in the next. Yeah. Probably about four to six months that he'll have the title. Right. It was pretty cool to be there, right? Yeah. To kind of see that happen live, right? You always kind of, you know, I I remember, you know, it's not often normally when when shows come, especially to Detroit where we're at, where. Most of the time, you're not seeing anything major mm-hmm. happen. You know what I mean? Like, you hope there's always that that finger cross type of thing. But, you know, Chicago, a little bit bigger city, a little more populated. You know, things happen. They, they've really made roots, AEW has, in Chicago. And so to be able to see that title change happen was extreme. Was, was great. It was really exciting to be there. It was fun to be there in the crowd. You, you know, you like I said... For sure, send us those screenshots, though. We're going to actually buy the paper, you know, to make sure yeah, <laughs> people can see us now just to see. Um, but, yeah, eight, you know, they make the switch, right? Moxley is probably the second biggest star in the company behind Jericho, at least single star right now, um, I would say, huh? I mean, as far here. as his momentum and everything else that he's done, I feel like they positioned him to be, you know, yeah. the new hot, you know, the hottest free agent they signed. Yeah, for sure. I would say it's. I mean, Cody's very high up there as a singles guy too. But yeah. you can argue those two are probably the two yeah. biggest guys. Right, and of course, you look at it, Cody and him, first two guys to get legitimate AEW World Title shots too, yeah. right? On the first two pay per views, right? Um, you know, what what do you think is is the ceiling for Moxley as champion? We remember now in 2016 when he was WWE champion, it didn't really fit. In my opinion, right? I don't like he won it. Everyone was like, "Yes, he finally got there." But then his title reign really kind of 
just was there until he faced Styles, and that's where he dropped the title. Mm-hmm. So we didn't. I don't really feel like his WWE title run was anything that memorable. You yeah. know what I mean? So obviously he's looking to turn the page here with his second world title run in AEW. I mean, what what's his ceiling for you? Is it you know like do you think he's can be a guy that's going to care really carry the ball for the next let's say six to eight months, or is this more like he's going to hold it and then whoever the new heel is, whether it's MGF, which we'll talk about in a second, or whether it's Hangman Page, if, if we finally see that turn or something else like that, what what in for you? What are you looking forward to see out of this reign? Um, I think he's going to be one of the fighting quote unquote champions. Yeah, who will just go. Oh, you want this match now? You can have it. Which I think it's going to hurt the title in the short run. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, it's going to make it for a very memorable mm-hmm. title reign. Because mm-hmm. I think they're going to give opportunities to guys. Kind of like Jericho was doing, but not as much. Yeah. To like Scorpio Sky mm-hmm. and Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you want a match? Come on in. We'll mm-hmm. fight or mm-hmm. something. Where yeah. I think now it's like, you're going to have a perception of, wow, just anyone can go fight for that championship now. Right, right. But at the same time, Moxie's going to probably beat all of these people. Right. And then you're going to go... But it's almost unstoppable to beat this guy. Kind of like they did with Jericho, where in the short run, it was like, man, why does Jungle Boy have a championship right. match or whatever? Right. But then in the long run, you're like, man, he had six title defenses. And yeah. when he when Moxley beats him, you're like, wow, that's a, that's that's a, a big guy that yeah. he, he that's just That's a beat. moment right So there, I think they're sure. going to do the same thing, where down for the next six months or so, mm-hmm. it's going to be smaller guy, smaller guy. But you're like, man, he just racked up 12 title defenses. Right. So now whoever beats right. him... Mm-hmm. Maybe MJF as a heel or whoever they decide to go with. Right. It's gonna be like, wow, that's, that guy. Yeah, that he's guy a made really man now, it. right? And I think they need to take a little bit of a page out of the NXT book where Cole, because because NXT and AEW are, are similar in the fact that they don't run pay per views every month, right? So yeah. you have to wait sometimes for those big payoff matches. Like mm-hmm. you know, with Adam Cole and his NXT title run, you have like Finn Balor, you had a Matt Riddle challenge for the title, yeah. right? Where on these shows that they've built up for, you know, it's kind of like, oh, by the way, Riddle's. Got a title shot next mm-hmm. week, right? So it's a guy that you, in theory, could see winning the championship, but he doesn't get it done, right? I think yeah. they could very well do that same thing, where it's yes. like, oh, you know, all of a sudden, all right, now Darby Allen's got a world title shot, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? And you're like, oh, okay, Darby Allen's got a world title shot, or yeah. maybe Swagger or Hager, sorry, Hager goes in and tries to go for the title to avenge that guys that you, you know, they've kind of tried to position somewhere near the middle top of the card mm-hmm. that are trying to get up in that upper echelon to say, all right, and then Moxley just has a great match with them to kind of establish his dominance. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's dead on the money. Um, let's talk about the other big, the other two really big matches on the card, and then I'll get your thoughts on the on the show at, overall. Let's talk the tag titles here. You know, uh, Hangman, Adam Page, Kenny Omega, they retained the tag titles mm-hmm. over the Young Bucks in what was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal match. Um, really from start to finish, great storytelling. They kept that throughout the match, right, where you'd see high spot high, and then you'd see, all right, let's bring it back, right? And there was these little nuances, you know, with the teasing, you know, the the slap on the chest, the initial tag by Hangman, like those little things where you're just like, all right, you know, you still feel that tension, even though they're working well as a team. Um, did you think they made the right call, though, on keeping the titles on Page and Omega rather than giving them to the Young Bucks and possibly making a heel turn? Either way, because I still think there's a small twinge that sees maybe Kenny turn over Hangman because Hangman is getting so over. Yeah, um, it's it's tough. I think it's right to keep it on them for yeah. a little longer because I think, I think there's a certain point where the story goes, okay, 
finally just turn like yeah. kind of over the all the teasing you just right. have to do it and i don't but, want them to get there that's yeah. my thing i don't yeah. want it i don't want to get to the point where like, all right we, we're at six months yeah and we're still and waiting we're still waiting yeah like, you don't want to get that long but it's also mm-hmm. you have to plan it perfectly where i don't think right now it's long enough mm-hmm. because you and it's weird because they're really making you think it's coming right yeah. like on this show right because literally the entire hype package is yeah, Paige just Paige pissed, just and like, Kenny's oh, like worried about him, and the Bucks are calling him out. Yeah, that's yeah. the entire hype package. Right. So then you're like, all right, so it's almost like too obvious. It's kind of like with the Dark Order stuff, mm-hmm. where it's like it's almost so obvious that it's this guy, it might not be that guy, right. or kind of thing. It but it's like it's so it's like so obvious that he's gonna turn. Right. So then everyone's like, all right, so he's gonna turn here, and then when he doesn't, you're mm-hmm. like, okay. now it's like every week on Dynamite, you're gonna have. Yeah. Okay, now he's gonna verse the Lucha Bros. Now he's got Jurassic Express. Which one of these matches is he's gonna, gonna set turn? him off? So now right. you have to watch every single week, which right. is a very good strategy to get right the viewership right. in there. It's the weird because weeks. you saw at the end of that match, right? And if you haven't watched the show, I'm sorry, no spoilers. You need to go watch the show. Yeah. Um, but so you know, at the end of the match, right? They got the titles, right? Kenny kind of, all right, I forgive the Bucks, whatever. And then you see the last second, the Bucks kind of bail, and then Kenny is standing there, and you see Paige go for the top rope, right? Like mm-hmm. he's gonna go for that buckshot clothesline, and then he kind of pulls off. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. You know, it just it makes me feel like he's getting so far over that it's almost gonna happen where like. It's going to be the reverse, where all of a sudden Kenny just goes ballistic and does yeah. it. Or, I, you know, because I honestly thought there was a brief second there, I was like, all three of them are going to attack Paige now. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be like a weird mosh of stuff. That's why I thought a title change there could have made sense because you kind of, everyone thinks it's Paige that has the problem, but in reality, it's maybe the Bucks and Omega that are like, all right, clearly he's the new hot young stud on yeah. the block. He's getting over better than they are. So it's like, all right, we're going to cut his knees out from under him before you can really generate that momentum to get the world title. I think it's going to be a situation where, especially if they really plan on bringing six-man titles in, mm-hmm. eventually it's the talks that they want to do that as their next title, mm-hmm. is I think if Kenny takes the fall to lose the title, mm-hmm. I think then and the Bucks come out, and then they start like comforting only Kenny. And Hangman's right. like, we both lost the titles, right? right? I think that's a good time when you can turn, mm-hmm. and then they can be the first six-man champs as a right. huge champ. Right. And then maybe sometime not allowed, Paige gets two groupies together. Right. And ta- like mm-hmm. I think you can make a storyline there. Right. So I think for a long term, not knowing if t- more titles or what's going to be happening comes, mm-hmm. I think that could be a way they could go. If those Absolutely. Are the for sure. Coming. Absolutely. All right, let's talk now the, the biggest, probably the biggest story out of AEW, right? MJF versus Cody, right? Cody finally gets a shot at MJF, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the match was good. I wouldn't say it was great. I would say no. it was good. Um, your thoughts on the match, the result, MJF gets the win after, you know, the loaded fist, quote-unquote, right? Yeah. Hits him with the ring or whatever, the brass knocks, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, Cody takes the fall. MJF kind of falls into a victory almost, yeah. you know, with the interference. So you keep Cody up at a level, but yeah. MJF gets a, a needed win there over a top guy. Thoughts on that match? And did you think that... I'm guessing there's more coming, clearly, right? Yeah, that's So, but chapter one of this, did it deliver the way you hoped it would? Because this is the match that you were looking forward to the most oh, yeah. going in. You were like, Cody, MGF, I see that. I'm pretty much good for the night. So, yeah. you know, thoughts on, on the execution? See, I, I was very good with the match overall. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to have problems very early on yeah. because I think you noted it while we were watching yeah. was he came down and the bell rings 
and he's not going straight after kind of like right. just like a pickup, right. sl- like just beat the crap out of you. Mm-hmm. He's going for technical wrestling moves, yeah. and you're like, why is that? Yeah. And at first, I was like, oh, this is gonna be annoying because when you walk, go back to Gargano Champa, mm-hmm. and you have all of that heat and storytelling, yeah, right. and then like they come out, they're just going balls to the walls. Right. In the first thirty seconds, you're like, that makes sense. Yeah. But I think. The story made more sense at the end yeah. when he's hitting like fifteen crossroads, right. and instead of just pinning him to win, right. he's like, "No, no. I want to beat yeah, you up again, even more and again, more." Again, again. And that's doing one too many is what loses it. Right. I think that storytelling means more yeah. than doing it in the early part where he's just beating the crap out of you very early. Right. I think you could have done both. Yeah. But I think I liked mm-hmm. it at the end. So right. I, at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, this is not going to be were, as good as I thought," were, and then it turns right. Were you better. good? Were you good with code with the with the finish itself? Right. Were you good with with MGF actually going over in this match? I know we kind of we kind of tossed it back and forth even on the ride there where we're like, "Well, Cody could win," and it, and you can still kind of progress it because he gets the revenge and it's like yeah he got back but then mjf's gonna come back with a vengeance or he could do the other way where mjf kind of sneaks away with the, with the victory which is one of happening right mm-hmm. we kind of posed both scenarios there um thoughts on mjf actually getting the win do you think this positions him to be the next true the le, the next legitimate challenger for the world title or do you think this needs more before you can I say think, that. I think it, this needs... Well, I don't think it needs more right now. Mm-hmm. But I think there will be more yeah. in the future. Because mm-hmm. I think the story that they're eventually going to tell is... Um, this could go one more in the immediate future. Yeah. I think MJF will win the next one too. Yeah. Where he just front loads all his wins. I think he's going to go on a massive streak and probably even win the world title. Yeah. But then down at the end of the year, I think right. Cody's going to be like... Let me foot you for that title. Career versus title. And that title career kind of versus title, some yeah. weird stipulation. And that's what he wins. So he wins the title mm-hmm. and he gets his revenge all, all, in, the, all in the same night. Right. And yeah. probably the next full gear, that, yeah. that November yeah. pay per view. Right. Whatever, whatever they say is their big show of the year, yeah. basically. We, have, so, we haven't really decided what I don't know if that's all I'm out. I'm pretty or... sure it's going to be like the all out, all in, whatever they call right. it, like that mm-hmm. September 1st show. Yeah. It's going to be their marquee show because no other show has it at that time yeah for sure yeah it's gonna be interesting for sure overall grades on the show the reason why i'm asking for a grade is because in a second here we're gonna talk wwe super showdown unfortunately um so what's what was your grade we were there live right you get a toy it's a totally different feel yeah a pay-per-view experience compared if you've never been a pay-per-view compared to a live show or even a television taping is completely different. It's a mm-hmm. big fight atmosphere. There's a different energy around it. I know, I know, it's not real. I get it. So easy, calm it down. But when you when you're in the building, you feel the electricity. You feel you feel something a little bit different, right? right? It's just something about it. You feel like, all right, I'm watching something that's going to change the course of what they're doing for the next, say, you know, five six weeks of television before we get mm. to the next pay-per-view. Thought grade the show for me. You know, everything considered. Would you have liked it more? If you were at home, um, I don't or, or less. Did it, did it help that you were there? No, I don't think it really impacted that much. Okay. I think I think I will say the match that impacted most was probably like an Orange Cassidy Pac match. Yes, where I think at home yes. I would have been like, oh, All right. this is like fine. Like it, yeah. it's a good match. Like yeah. I see what they're doing, but right. it's boring. But when you're there, yeah. you just feel like the whole crowd is the whole with crowd it. is you over. You just it. get it. And, yes. Yeah, so I think matches like that, but I think overall, I think the big three, yeah. the tag match, the Cody match, and mm-hmm. the world title match, I think would have been the same there or yeah. at home. Yeah. And so I would probably grade this at about a high B, yeah. one of their better shows that they put on. Mm-hmm. But I think the women's match was very sloppy, yeah, not very rough. good. That was rough. And I do think 
the Hager match was a good intro, but still wasn't a very good one. Like right. I think that match, I would have been bored at home. Yeah, I think and I should have switched way. Darby and Guevara because Darby and Guevara, I thought, did a great had a true opening yeah. style match where it was like they could have had a match where they they only went like ten minutes long, mm-hmm. right? It was high intensity all the way through, right? It was fun, had a couple big spots, made Guevara look good in mm-hmm. the process of losing, got Darby Allen another big win on pay per view, but didn't go too long where it exposed people, right? It was yeah. just enough where it was like Nice little put a bow on it. We're good and we're out of there. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I think I think those five matches yeah. and the Pac one being because I was there. Yeah. made it not better. Those five were very good. Mm-hmm. Where I think the other two that we mentioned mm-hmm. is just like average or not as good. So yeah. I'd give it a B plus because not every match was like better than full five gear. Star. Better than full gear. Um. Yes, because I think the world title. I think every match was almost better. I do too. And like they're in their place. I thought. I thought. I thought Revolution. I thought Revolution was at least. If you're giving this a B plus, I would say Full Gear was a B minus to a B. I would say it's a full grade better. Yeah. only because like when you compare like Pac and Kenny is kind of like the Cody MGF. Yeah. And that one was better. The world title match was probably better on this one. Well, especially too. Tag match was better on this one. Like just all the matches are just that much better. The pillars of the show that were making you want to watch the show were better yeah. in every single way i yeah. think so for sure all right let's shift now from revolution let's talk wwe super showdown uh we we watched it the day before we left for chicago so we we had you know it's still pretty fresh in our minds um the big news coming out of that show goldberg is somehow at the ripe young age of 104 is your universal champion beats the fiend in 35 seconds brock lesnar beats ricochet in 12 seconds um I'm, these are exaggerating but only by a little bit uh we had new tag champs Miz and morris some of the tag titles um any uh, undertaker came back and won, won that weird two week where two week trophy won the glacier trophy or whatever, the, yeah. whatever it is um thoughts on super showdown as a whole first and then you know, uh, well, let's dive into the Goldberg sure. thing in a second. Um, I think the show was uh, fine for what it is, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's not really a pay-per-view. It's kind of like a... It's like very, a big live event. It's a huge live event yeah. or house show, I guess. It's yeah. like a glorified house show, I it's guess really is what, what they is. call it. It really it's is. Not, it's not like, oh, this is pay-per-view, like five, <sighs> top five pay-per-view classic stuff. It's right. very live, ev- live event-ish. Yeah. So I guess for a live event... It wasn't as bad as mm-hmm. some of them are, I guess. Yeah. Um, I did. I didn't mind the some of the outcomes in the in the gauntlet match were weird. No, but uh, I didn't mind yeah. the outcome of it. I thought it was fine. I thought um, it was fine. Let's talk. We'll talk impact on Mania in a second. But okay, give me give me your thoughts on just just for a second here because I think a lot. I'm I'm in agreement with you. I don't think this show is as bad as people are making it out to be. Right, and here's why. I don't think because I think if you're talking as far as in ring action and entertainment value, let's take the two world title matches out of it just for a second, right? We take those out of it. It's only three minutes of the whole show, so we can very yeah. easily take it out of it. If you take that part out, I would say this ma- this card was fine. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing. You know, Taker setting up his match with AJ, fine, right? Yeah. Uh, those tag matches were fine. The women's match, fine, not a big deal. I, I thought it was, I thought it was an okay show mm-hmm. overall. But now, let's throw in those world title match, and I think that's where people get upset. The Goldberg thing, the Brock, destroying Ricochet as easily as it were. Ricochet got no offense, like none. It was worse than Cena at SummerSlam. Yeah. <laughs> you know? See, I don't, 
I don't hate the Ricochet match though. I don't either. I it, go was in, a, it was a filler. We knew I, it was I, I didn't expect yeah. literally anything. anything. Like I didn't expect you because the difference between this one and previous Lesnar matches with smaller guys is yeah. this one's at Mania. So in a sense, you're almost making this match feel like Lesnar's getting ready for Drew McIntyre. Exactly. He's an absolute beast. Exactly. So you have to go through Ricochet. Right, and he has to go through him very easily. Very easily. Because yeah. if he doesn't, you go, okay, so, so Lesnar's not ready. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not, not ready. ready. Yeah. <laughs> right now you're showing, and Lesnar probably won't fight again until Mania. Nope. You're going, wow, Lesnar's focused and ready just for Mania against right. Drew McIntyre. Exactly. So I think in, if you look at it through that lens, I'm like, oh, yeah. I guess you it look right. Fine. And Ricochet fans like, well, they did him dirty. I'm like, for, here's two things. Number one, you're in the ring with Brock Lesnar, so obviously they have some sort of faith in you. Number two, Ricochet hasn't done anything to justify yeah. having a shot against Lesnar. Yeah. Look at every guy Lesnar's face. Cena, Triple H, Taker, AJ, Daniel Bryan. I mean, name a guy. Seth Rollins, Reigns. All these guys, Ambrose even. All these guys have something else to their name where they can go, I can see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ricochet doesn't have that yet. It's not, it wasn't, yeah. this was strictly to get him elevated to a point where they could go, let's see how this goes. Mm-hmm. That's all it was, right? Yeah. Now let's talk the big controversy, I guess you want to call it that. You know, Goldberg wins the world, wins the universal title against The Fiend, wins in about three minutes, right? Spear, 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 Manimal Claw, bad, bad jackhammer, and we got a new champion. Mm-hmm. Um... Thoughts on Goldberg getting the title again? Oh boy! Oh boy! Um, they really like giving old guys the world title. The world titles. Yeah, and that's about all I can say about I that. I just don't. It's Here's the thing. Just right. It's it's tough, right? And it, it, it on immediate reaction, you go, "What the hell?" Right. Yes. That's that's the first thing you say, but. He, here's where the problem lies with this kind of stuff, right? And this is why I think WrestleMania is not as good as it was, say, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. right? And this is why, in my opinion. They are too reliant upon what they think is the biggest, quote-unquote, attraction mm-hmm. compared to what is going to be the best match, right? Yes. You look at a match, like, let's just talk, let's just take WrestleMania 20, right? Because that was a solid 15, 16 years ago, right? WrestleMania 20, right? Final, the world title match. You had Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero for the title. And then you had Chris Benoit. Sorry, you got to mention him. Triple H and Shawn for the world titles, right? Those are your two world title matches. Mm-hmm. There ain't a bad wrestler in the bunch no. in that group, right? Let's take a look at the past couple years. What have we had? Brock versus Goldberg. Rock versus, an old Rock versus Cena. We've had, you know, what have we, we had Seth last year and Brock. What did we have for the other title? Um... Do you remember? Oh, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. That's, I don't know. The importance on the world titles and the importance of putting your best workers in those spots is gone yeah. on the most part. It's not there anymore. So if if going based off of attraction, then yes, I would say that Goldberg versus Roman Reigns is a bigger match at WrestleMania than The Fiend versus Roman Reigns is. But, point being, you spend all this time Trying to establish this new character. Mm-hmm. He beats Seth Rollins clean, easily. He beats Daniel Bryan several times. He beats The Miz without even being The Fiend. He beat all these guys easily, no problems. And then you go up against a 55-year-old man who can't wrestle for more than four minutes at a time, mm-hmm. who can only do four moves, punch, kick, spear, and sometimes jackhammer, not even completely. And yet we're going to just have him get demolished just so we can have another quote unquote attraction to face John Cena. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's not even facing Cena. No, he is. Who? The Fiend is. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, the Fiend is. So you, you, you make these two attraction matches 
But at the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, would it have been better if they just went Roman versus The Fiend and then Cena versus Goldberg? Um, not not match quality wise. Not what I'm saying. But but from but from but from an attraction standpoint, Cena, the quote unquote greatest of the, our generation, against a guy that they are trying to make erase history and not pretend like he wasn't terrible even in his prime, and say, all right, Goldberg's never faced Cena. Mm-hmm. Cena's faced Brock. He's beat everybody else. He's never beat Goldberg. See, I, what I find interesting is if we only had those four guys to work with, I guess. No, no, no. Yeah. okay, okay, yeah. 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 But in that way, yeah, I find it interesting because. This seems like a thing that they would do if they split WrestleMania into two days. Yes. And yes. like night one, you right. want an attraction on each night. Yeah. But like, it's you, just gonna like be a, you, yeah. because all you need is Cena. Like you're the way you put it up as Cena right. versus Goldberg. Right. Like no one's going to be like, wow, that's the match. And then never watch the rest of WrestleMania. Right. Like you're watching that. You're just going to watch WrestleMania through. So the fact like I don't think you need to split those guys up right. in the way that right. they're doing. I know, and right. And kill characters because of it. Right. So that's my problem I yeah. have with it. I guess I guess that's well, and, and I think some people have made the justification, too, that you're trying to pass the heat on him beating The Fiend to Goldberg yeah. rather than Roman, which, and to a certain extent, I do understand that, yeah. right? But at the same time, I, it doesn't it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense for this this monster, the fiend, to go through and completely demolish everybody in his path since since winning the title, right? And then have and then have a guy come in and just for Roman to beat him, it's like we know what's gonna happen. Or rather, even if even if we we're going into WrestleMania assuming that Roman's gonna walk out champion regardless of who's who he's challenging, mm-hmm. that's fine. But I would have rather seen the fiend face Roman. At least then I could have gotten a story out of this. Right now it's Okay, well, Roman just challenged Goldberg, and I guess that's the match at Mania. Now. You, and that's wait, literally it. You, you want to know what's funny was that there's a report that came out that yeah. said that they were going to have a chamber match so Roman could win yeah. and like legitimize reason. Right. And then they said that uh, Vince came out and said that fans already knew that they wanted this match, so they just canceled the Elimination Chamber match in general. Right. And just put them against and that doesn't, And that doesn't shock me, right? I'd rather, I'm honestly glad they would do that because yeah. at least they understand that all right, there's no point in me watching this Chamber match because I know Roman's going over. Yeah. But at the same, at the same token, though, it's like, but there's no story yeah. with, with Goldberg I, and Roman, right? I, I would have even had Roman challenge The Fiend because The Fiend could have come out and said... I can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. There, I am the eater of worlds, whatever you want to say. I, I've beaten everybody you've wanted to. I've turned everybody you wanted. I've destroyed them all. I even defeated Goldberg, right? Mm-hmm. You're like a saving, conquering, you know, old-time hero. And then here comes Roman to save the day, whatever. Yeah. The uh, Good see, Lord. See, I get that story. I think the only other story you can tell with this, which is what they're going to probably do, yeah. is Fiend was so unstoppable. And this kills the Fiend that they're oh, doing yeah. it. Yeah. But this is what they're going to do is... Like the fiend is so unstoppable, Goldberg stops him, right. and he's like, "Now I'm unstoppable." So then it's right. like when Roman, it's every time he versus Brock Lesnar, <sighs> so as Lesnar wins the title off this un, like Braun Strowman, right. who's like no one can stop. And then when Roman comes in to beat him, you're yeah. like, "Well, now who's it's just stop it's Roman? just confusing why you would invest so much time into a character." Now I do agree that they needed to get the title off the fiend because I do think the fiend is better without the championship. I think he's better chasing the title than he is with the title because oh, yeah. you'd rather have if with a character like that you rather have him be the one saying I'm coming after you rather than I have to come after him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, that that part I get. The problem with his character though is that since they made him so I think this is nice cuz now he's not unstoppable right. where there's a way to It's right. kind of like the Undertaker where it's like yeah. once he lost the first time now it's like okay he's beatable right. because until you set that up 
Like, I get, like, he's yeah. so much better chasing, mm-hmm. but once he has the title and he can't be stopped... Right. What do you do? Right. What do you, yeah. what do you get? Like, right. there's no way to get... Unless you do a triple threat right. where he doesn't take a fall. I'm just worried, that, dumb, they're gonna, I worry but, that they're going to ruin Roman again because, you know, Roman's been kind of flying under the radar doing this Baron Corbin thing for seven years or whatever, but you, you have to be very careful now, though, because if everyone knows... Okay, Roman's going to take the title. You don't want people to boo Roman Reigns winning the championship. Mm-hmm. You don't. No. So you need to make Goldberg a like a monster heel in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Like you need, he needs to be like, I don't care what you think. It doesn't matter what you all that all that crap, right? Mm-hmm. The the typical part timer shtick. Yeah. And he needs to go hard with it. But you can't say, well, I'm here every week with Roman. You can't do that either because that's what Cena did. And you can't do that. But you just need to make Goldberg so hateable where it's like anybody else is way more palatable. It's like when Sheamus held the title, mm-hmm. right? When they when they, when they he won Money in the Bank. And then when Roman won it on Raw, everyone was like, oh, thank goodness because Sheamus is just terrible. That's, what the, that's the best case scenario for this yeah. is Roman to win the title and Roman just goes... Okay, cool. At least Roman's champion, we can deal. Rather than people be genuinely excited about him winning in a possible, like, legit, hard-fought, like, you know, no-holds-barred match against The Fiend, we're going to get a six-minute schmoz. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just confusing to me. Anyway, all right. That's going to be it with Snuff Wrestling Talk for this week's show. On the second half of the show, we have a whole bunch of Red Wings news. They traded Anthony to you. He gone. Mike Green, he gone. We're going to talk about that, the state of the Red Wings, and then we are going to end the show with our most fa- with the, our favorite topic, the most requested topic, the most in-depth topic of our show, the Merck Zone Mock Draft. We got Combine stuff come out as well. All that great stuff after the break. Stick around. Hey guys, it's the Mouth of Michigan, Rob and Doug. And just reminding you once again that we are live every single Monday, 7 a.m. You are, We are the place to be that morning. I know Mondays suck. We all know Mondays suck. But what better way to start off your week? You're driving into work. You're probably doing something you don't want to do. Why don't you do something for you? Why don't you throw on the I'm Always Right Sports podcast, right? You want to know what's going on in sports today? We're the place to be. You want to know what's going on in the world of professional wrestling? We're definitely the place to be. Ain't nowhere else in the world are you going to find a podcast that provides such great detail on all the major sports, all the major happenings, especially about your Detroit teams, along with the most up-to-date news, reviews, and opinions on the pro wrestling business. I know it's hard for some pro wrestling fans to find a podcast that fits all of their sporting needs, along with pro wrestling needs. Well, guess what? Stop Take a breath. We got you. We are the sports podcast for you. We promise you every single week to provide you the best content. We appreciate the support. If you have already subscribed to the show, awesome. If you haven't, make sure you do on your favorite local podcasting sites, as well as our YouTube channel, I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. And also go to our website, I'm Always Right PC.com. Once again, we appreciate the support. Now here's part two of this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to part two of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Once again, like I said before, if we're not our lively, perky selves, because me and Mike have been traveling all weekend, 10-plus hours on the road. We were just back from Chicago. Literally, just moments ago, we just got back, actually, and we literally put our bags down, and had to, we had to make sure we got this show out to you guys. So if today's a little bit shorter of an episode, you'll probably know why. Um, but, Mike, let's just jump right in now. Red Wing news coming out. Um, finally, there's something to talk about. I know some Red Wing fans always go, why don't you guys talk about the Wing? more it's like what's there to talk about we're terrible we're the worst team in the league hope to god we get the first overall pick that's that's really all you can say um you know tiger fans sorry it's kind of the same thing for them too uh, well, it's really the same for all of them, but we have to find something. That's why yeah, I know. we like it's football tough. the most, so since we all suck, yeah, we just usually right, exactly. end up talking about football. Exactly. But yeah. 
if we were like hockey fans, we talk about hockey the most. Yeah, it's t- because... well, and it's tough too because when you look at these teams, you know, there's baseball and hockey. It, it's easy in the NFL. It's almost like there's a there's a higher chance that all of a sudden, like oh, like they like they all of a sudden were ten and six. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where in hockey and baseball, that never happens. It's just you know, development takes longer. Rookies don't have impacts like they do in the NFL or even the NBA for that matter, right? Like if the Pistons somehow suck enough and they get the first pick this year, then you know there's something where you're like, oh man, we got a guy that potentially could turn the franchise around. Is that yeah. going to happen? No, but there, yeah. you know, the thought is there. Um, but let's talk wings though for a second. Mike Green, he gets traded. Um, you know, we kind of knew that was coming. Long time defensive for us. He's gone. Uh, he's going to the Oilers, and so is actually Andreas Athanasiu. We're getting two second-round picks for his fast, but um, you know he's gone. Was never really able to find a groove uh, this year, especially the out- offensive output has been atrocious. His defensive output has basically been, you know, has never really been very good. So yeah. it is what it is. There um, thoughts though. The Wings now, you know, they're probably going to have the first overall pick. Hopefully, right? They have the highest chance to at least get the first overall pick in the draft. They're going to have three second round picks this mm-hmm. year. Um, I heard that we were getting like seven or eight picks in the first three rounds. Yes, exactly. We have we have a lot of ammunition, right? And Stevie Y came out and basically said, "Listen, we're not very good. We're not we're not going to make the playoffs. We haven't been competitive. So we need to address we need to address draft capital. We need to get as much as we can. We need to get as many young prospects in the door as possible because we need to figure this out. It's yep. not going to be an overnight thing. And this feels like a broken record even for us to talk about it because it's like." Once again, it's like, have that patience, have that patience, have that patience. But in all honesty, Eisenman's saying the same thing. It's like, what do you want us to do? Mm-hmm. This is the only thing you can do. At least they are embracing it to the utmost extent where I said, listen, you're not in the future, so we're going to flip you now for mm-hmm. as much as you can. You know, the Oilers are in a different situation. They're trying to keep Connor McDavid from leaving. Um, you know, Kenny Holland's over there now with the GM, which I think is kind of crazy, actually, yeah. you know, that he's good to grab guys. Um Thoughts on the deals, and are, are you still fully within, are you still on, on track with Eisenman's viewpoint, where it's like, we're terrible, there's not a lot of talent on this team, yep. we need to get as many throws at the dartboard as possible, because we need to overhaul everything. Yep. Well, this is this is the exact way I love rebuilds to go, yeah. is if you know you're going to be bad, at least embrace it, mm-hmm. and then throw as many darts as you can at the dartboard, and yeah. hopefully you can get one to stick, because yeah. statistically, if you get eight picks in the first two or three rounds, you're going to find one guy that's, <laughs> right. yeah, that's redeemable good, good. out of your right, eight, exactly. right? Like, yeah. statistically, it has to almost happen. Yeah. So I always that's always my approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and flipping those guys uh, that you're talking about is perfect because yeah. if he's not, if they're not going to help us in three years when we're going to be hopefully good again, mm-hmm. then we don't need you on that team. That's what right. I've been asking the Pistons to do yeah. for the last like five years. Right. Is they finally they started finally to started. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. If you would have traded Drummond last year, yeah. you know you probably would have got a little more from him, but you yeah. waited so long because you thought you might be good. At least you can embrace that you're not going to be good, yeah. and you can start flipping everything now. So right. I'm proud, and hopefully. Um, right. We do get a number one pick, or we right. get a top three pick, and hopefully we can get you know, something. That and, and I think sticks. it's hard for a lot of Red Wings fans too, because you look at this team, and I don't think people realize that the reason why we're in this is because of Ken Holland trying to extend the proverbial streak. We we try to do so many of these moves to prevent ourselves from going into the NHL gutter and to somehow stay in the playoff hunt. Right? It was almost like as long as we get there. 
you know, then we quote-unquote have a chance, and that Red Wing luck is going to swing back our way. The problem with that is, is that you didn't have enough good players to make that make that thing yeah. happen, you know? So you you mortgage the future in order to pay off now, in order to kind of, you know, oh, wow, 21, 22 straight seasons in the playoffs. Okay, great, but if you've only made four or five Western Conference title runs in that time, it doesn't matter. You yeah. know what I mean? We got one championship out of that deal, yeah. you know? So it's like... There is, there is one NBA team that slowly did that. That's the Spurs. Yes. They got a little more success out of it than yeah, the Red Wings right. did. But, man, like right now, they're yeah. not looking too good. Right. But they're like, man, we just got to get one more. Right. One more. Hopefully exactly. it turns around. Yeah. And sooner or later, that whole thing's just going to plummet. Right. And, and Popovich is going to retire. And you're gonna have a new dude you'll, in you'll there. You don't have any yeah. real no. players in there. And then no. you're going to be literally the worst team in basketball for about three years. Yep. And Spurs fans aren't really realizing that right now, well, but it's going to hit them hard. No one remembers what the Spurs were like before Popovich, because that's what they were. They were the worst team in the league, yeah. right? And then they were able to go draft uh, Glenn Robinson, and then they drafted Tim Duncan, and they won a championship. That's that's what happened, you know? So with the Wings, you know, you got your championships in 2002, right? You got your you know your couple in the 90s. You got your 102. You got your 107. I get that. So we got a few championships out of that run, no doubt. But after 07, all right, fine. After 2008, when we, you know, we lost the Penguins in the final, you know, the year after that, it was an all downhill. You lost to San Jose, and you never really got back since then. You blew that one year against Chicago, where you had all the young guns. You thought maybe you were going to do something, but even then, it was a disaster. So you got all this, all this time that you've been kicking this can down the road. At some point, it was bound to happen yeah. where you're going to be at now. You know, I can appreciate the fact that Eisenman once again took this job. Hey, that he took the job. First of all, thank you. Two, the fact that he was willing to say, "All right, this is clearly not going the way we want to. We need to tear this down and rethink the way we do everything. Not just scouting, not just player contracts. We need to rethink it all." They made trades after trade. I mean, he's been so busy. Not even at the trade deadline, but during the year. All right, let's try this, dude. Let's try this. Let's do this. Anything he can to see what we can get to make stick a little bit. He's trying to kind of reshape this roster, but there's only so much room you can do. The NHL salary cap is so tight. It's like it's not even. I don't even know how they operate a lot of times. Yeah. So you got a lot of guys that you're paying right now that aren't worth anything. So he's got to deal with guys. Uh, that are on, under contract that you know he doesn't even want. You know what I mean? You're paying Johan Franz and still for God's sakes, like stuff like that is insane. So once again, Red Wing fans, I know we don't talk a lot about the Wings right now. It's hard to you know when the draft comes around, especially if we get the number one overall pick. We'll obviously talk about them then, but you know, it, it just embrace this time. Watch another team. Go watch minor league hockey. Go do whatever you got to do. Do what us Lions fans do every single week and have a backup team just in case, you know, in another conference. Just, you know, just embrace the fact that you have a guy that you think knows what he's doing, so let him let him do his job and, yeah. and, and get, you know, the more picks he's got, the more chance we've got to success. So be excited about that. All right. Let's go to the last topic of the episode. I'm super excited about it. Um, we've got another Merck Zone mock draft. The NFL Combine was this past weekend. All the big names that we said was going to show out, the ones at least that actually participated showed out. Isaiah Simmons, shocker, genetic freak. You know, it's me and Mike were talking about this on the way back um, from Chicago. And it's funny that 
Uh, everyone now is on the Isaiah Simmons train here in Detroit because he's freaking nature, riding around four three nine forty. You know his, re- his relative athletic score was a ten, which is crazy. Um, all these different things, all the different metrics that we've said from the beginning, he was going to score out of his mind, and we've been talking about this guy now since before the national title game. It's like this guy's a genetic freak. He's amazing, you know. And he finally goes out and shows it, and everybody goes, "Oh my gosh, I want him on the Lions! Oh my gosh, it's crazy!" You know. So I'm sure when Okuda does all his stuff, it's going to be the same thing, you know, yes. when, when, whenever we get those measurables in. But, um, you know, so a lot of guys won that day. Um, right before we go to this mock draft, though, Mike, uh, we watched the quarterbacks. That was right before we actually went to Chicago, right? Is there any quarterback that maybe you weren't looking at? You know, obviously, like the Herbert. I know Burrow didn't throw. Two was not throwing. But Herbert had a nice day. Eason. I mean, you know, any guy that stood out to you just from a quarterback perspective, just because there's always some sort of talk now about Detroit and the quarterback? Hold on. i got to look up the quarterbacks that threw because there was one guy, but I have to – Oh, Jordan Love. Everyone everyone loves Jordan Love. Yeah. But yeah. I think Jordan Love is So you think he helped himself stuff. out quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Him and um, Jalen Hurts. Yes, I think that's both, my guy. They both yes. helped a yeah. lot throwing in this combine. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, to me, is the guy that helped himself the most in this entire draft as far as quarterbacks go. Just because he was accurate, he ran fast, and in knowing that he was going to run fast, knowing that the problem that he had was accuracy issues, and the fact that he was able to go out there and like look like a different quarterback, mm-hmm. to me made me like, wow, if he was there, especially if they trade down and they have some extra mid picks in the ammunition, and they think that you know he could be a guy that he could be the future of the league, I wouldn't mind the Lions taking him in the late third. You know, I don't I don't know if he's gonna be there. But, I, I mean, I'd welcome that opportunity, especially if you don't anticipate you're going to be the worst in the league next year. So you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence anyway. It's not it's not the worst thing. I'm not saying first round. I'm not saying second round. But late third, early fourth, at that point you're getting – it's about value at that point. You know, and you need, at some point Stafford is going to need to get replaced. I mean, he's 32 now. Let's say we, say we get one more, even one more contract out of him, which I know scares the bejesus out of people in Detroit. Even if they get him another contract, right? Say he's thirty-eight. At some point, you need a new QB, you know. Yeah. So it, it just something to think about, guys. Really, there's there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this draft. But all right, let's get actually to the mock draft itself. Right. Who's this by? This is from uh, DraftEQ.com. Okay. Um, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> sure. Hard sell. Um, Hard it was sell. updated. What's March 1st? Today. Hey, Today. it was updated this morning. All right, cool. Uh, updates factored in combine re-rankings. So okay, do we, got, do we have trades in this? There or are trades? possible trades, oh, but I don't really know. Oh, I do know numbers and everything that were traded. Okay. So Oh, good. So That's I can update positive. you on All right, everything. so first pick, Joe Burrow. Cincinnati stays, and they pick Joe Burrow. Okay, quick question for you, though, just okay, real quick. Quick answer. If Tua gets drafted first, let's just say... Hypothetically. I, hypothetically, if Tua goes first, so, right? Uh, yeah. It, if you're Washington, does that, like, floor you almost? Where, like, you're like, oh, crap. Does that change your mindset at all if Burrow is um, there? Because some people, like Bucky Brooks, who I don't res- I don't really like or respect his opinion a lot of times, okay. but he's a guy on NFL.com who, who's got Tua ranked above Burrow, okay? Just just by a smidge like that. He's got his rankings are weird. But anyway, he's one of the guys that people look and go, okay, they've got Tua above Burrow, right? Okay. Um, I don't have Tua above Burrow, but at the same time, I know maybe some people do. So let's just say Cincinnati has that situation. If you're Washington and you think and you automatically assume that Burrow's going one, so he doesn't. Burrow's there. Are you still in love with Haskins, or and that you're gonna okay with taking Chase Young, or 
does that completely change your mindset where you're like, maybe we should take Joe Burrow because he's our best well, prospect on the board? To be fair, I think that Tua should go to Washington regardless. Because yeah. I think Tua is better in Dwayne Haskins than literally every sense <laughs> of the measurement. Uh, just by throwing, running... Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't doubt calling it. play whatever yeah. like whatever tangible you want. I think two is better. Besides, he's a little more injury prone probably with mm-hmm. his hip and stuff. Yeah, but he's a hundred percent fine. So I think if since they did fall in love with Burrow and took or fell in love with two and took right. him at one. I, I mean, I don't know if you love Burrow as much as Tua. Hmm. You know what I mean? So Who's maybe, your ranking? Do you have Burrow ahead of Tua or do you have Tua above Burrow? I have Burrow? Tua ahead. You do? Okay. Yeah, because I think Tua showed more in more years. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I appreciate the guy who breaks out in one year and breaks every statistical record in college football. Right. But that's like an anomaly year when you have all senior wide receivers oh, yeah, no and doubt. everything working for, sure. for you. For sure. I think Tua was really working on, he won the national championship game, yep. and then he played a full year against SEC defense. Yeah. That's one of the toughest defenses in football. Right. So no doubt. No doubt. I, I'd say Tua just a little bit, especially if he's 100% healthy. So I don't know if Washington looks at Joe Burrow and goes, we really wanted Tua, but if it's not two, I guess we'll take Chase Young. Like okay. I don't like. Okay. I, that's how I would see it. Right. But okay. So so Joe Burrow's not on your board then. If you're no not if, no. no not in the top two or three. No. I wouldn't say no. Okay. Okay. I, would, I, I personally wouldn't take yeah. him. Um. But right, so, anyway, Cincinnati's taking Joe. Cincinnati takes Joe. At right. Number so one, Washington, Washington then takes Chase Young. They do stay at two and take Chase Young. Okay. So probably a mistake. Lions fans. But they take Chase Young. <laughs> probably a mistake. And number three, what do you think the Lions do? I'm going to say they trade down because everybody in their mom thinks that the Lions pick, especially if – because I think Washington's bluffing, honestly. I Everyone everyone now, because Ron Rivera said that, oh, Washington's taking looking quarterback seriously, right? I, I think that they will, but I think Ron Rivera knows that he's going to build his team off defense, mm-hmm. and I think his defense is a lot closer than his offense is. So I think that they're going to go, all right, even if we're terrible next year – we got a shot. We can move some assets around to go get Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, at least can accept Washington for at least bluffing. The Lions aren't bluffing at all. Yeah, but they do trade down. Yeah. Um, they get number five, number thirty-nine, and number one fifty-three, and a future first. Holy shnikes! Maybe like next year. I'm Good assuming. It's all right, so we don't get any first-round pick this, this year, year then. but it's gonna be like a next year thing. Okay. For. Um, the number three know. spot, like flips. So thirty-nine. That's in the second round, right? Thirty-nine is that. no. Thirty-nine is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Round, uh, early, early. Yeah. Early second round. Yeah. yeah. It's the fifth pick or whatever yeah. in the second round. Yeah. Uh, or seventh. Or whatever. But either way, I don't know if I really like that necessarily because I want. I'm gonna need one of those ones now, especially if you're yeah. Bob Quinn. You don't know if you're gonna be there next year <laughs> to make that pick. So yeah. either way. So let, sorry. In that case, all right. Miami trades up. They take Tua. Yes. Okay. They take Tua. Number four. Number four. The Giants are going to take. I'm gonna say they're gonna take Isaiah Simmons. Uh, they don't. They don't. They still go tackle. They take an offensive tackle out of Iowa, Tristan Wirfs. Really? That's the one they took, sure. huh? Wow. All right. I'm surprised. The they, I'm surprised. The most, I guess. Surprised they didn't take the one out of Louisville. That he's the one who ran like crazy fast. Yeah, speed but tackles six, seven. don't need to be fast. I know, but I got like his measurables were like crazy. Yeah. But anyway, um, all right. So we're five. Yeah. I say I'm gonna say they take Simmons. No? Okay. Well, you were wrong. They take yeah, Okuda. I would love Simmons in this spot, but yeah. they won't take Simmons. They okay. will pick Jeffrey Okuda. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, for me, I'm I'm just going based off of trends, right? Because now, yeah. like the, the the Simmons train is hot as yeah. could be right now, right? So my thought was, all right, Okuda's probably the pick, but I'm gonna say this once again, man. You know, take the combine stuff out of it for a second. 
Simmons fills a lot of needs. You know, he's a linebacker who's probably your best linebacker immediately, number mm-hmm. one. Number two, I think he could play the Tavon Wilson-type role in this defense where uh, like a third safety mm-hmm. who really just plays linebacker, plays the run really well. That's probably what he's going to play in a Matt Patricia defense. Um, so it's going to be very hard for the Lions, I think, to pass up on the, Unless they think Okuda is the man. Yeah. Like, Jalen Ramsey, the man. Yeah, then and I think his uh, since his combine isn't until tomorrow, yeah, and his updating was today. Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to be like, right. no, for sure, because Okuda does have a good combine. Mm-hmm. Maybe that changes everything. Yeah, Can right. I say it's right. the next pick for the next two months. I am we're so excited. We are so close to free agency, Mike. We are like three weeks away from free agency, and right. I am March so excited for free agency. I can't even. See, as you're, you? as you're excited for free agency, I'm excited for March Madness. Right, and that's cool, right? So. I'm excited for that. I'm going to the draft day party in April, too, for the Lions. I am pumped. I am so ready for the offseason to officially kick off. But all right, fine. We take we take Okuda. Six, the Chargers, they take Herbert. They will. They take Herbert. All right, seven is who? Carolina. Carolina. They're going to take Derrick Brown. No, they take, they take Isaiah Simmons. Wow, I'm way off today. Last draft we did, I was, like, killing it. This one, I'm terrible. Yeah. Um, okay. Eight, Arizona. Wide receiver, uh, offensive tackle. Really? Wow, I'm surprised. I especially with the way Rugs ran that forty. You know, Jerry Jr. ran four four. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I'm surprised by that, yeah. honestly. Arizona took uh, the guy out of the Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, Becton. Yeah. Um, some notable guys that go. The where's Derek Brown go? He goes number twelve to Las Vegas Rams or Raiders. Raiders. Okay. Yeah, Raiders. We've seen a lot of those three guys. We've seen. The Raiders have Simmons and Derrick Brown. At some point, we've seen Carolina now take both yeah. Derrick Brown in that, too. So, um, interesting. Jerry Judy goes 15 to Denver. Okay. Uh, 16, Jacksonville takes C.D. Lamb, mm. which I'm not shocked at at all, C.D. Lamb is fantastic. Uh, 19, Las Vegas takes Henry Ruggs. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think Vegas see. is in line, especially if Brady stays or doesn't go there, that they're in line for a quarterback. One more time. You think Las Vegas take, thinks about taking a quarterback with their other pick? I don't know because I don't know how much they. I don't know. I've heard reports that Gruden doesn't love Derek Carr. Yeah. But I think Derek Carr is serviceable enough mm-hmm. to at least because you're not like playoff like you haven't been in the playoffs five years in a row where you're like you need a new guy to get you over the hump. Right. Like you're you're still like at the seven nine eight eight level. Right. So I think you can go build the rest of your team mm-hmm. and then like. Yeah. Find that quarterback next year and be like, all right, that's or maybe if you can get Jordan Love in the second round, I guess I would right. pull that too. Right. Um, and that's about it for the first round. Some okay. of the big notable names I would say. Okay. I guess T. Higgins to Buffalo at twenty-two. Okay. As a big time wide receiver. Another, another weapon for yeah. for uh, Josh Allen. All right, so we head to the second round mm-hmm. where we start off with Cincinnati taking Antoine Winfield Jr. out okay. of Minnesota. Right. And Jordan Love goes to Indianapolis at 34. Now, that doesn't shock me that doesn't at, shock all, me at, all, at all, right? I don't even know if he'll be there. So, so Indy may need to trade up in the last half of the first round to go get yeah. him. So uh, I've seen a lot of times where, like, you can give up, that see, that early second because they have the second pick, right? Mm-hmm. An early second along with, say, like a late, you know, five or six to move up back into the first round, like in the very late stage because they're so close together those picks are. So I'm guessing you have a cluster of guys. Yeah. If you're – the Packers, or if you're the Niners, something like that, where you could easily move out of the first and still get the guy you want three picks later. Yeah. So it's one of those things where that wouldn't shock me at all uh, to see him go. Uh, so who do you think, where do you think <sighs> Detroit goes, since you probably don't know names of people in the second yeah. third round? Yeah, oh, boy, it's going to be tough. Um, I'm going to say a name that I don't think anybody's talking about yet, but especially because... Um, they got they got another second round pick though, don't they? Okay, so they have two. They, they have, have a two, number right? thirty five and a thirty nine. 
All right, fine. Then the first one I'm going to go with, I'm going to say it's going to be somewhere on the defensive side of the ball then. Did Xavier McKinney from the safety from Bama go already in the first round? Um, I can check. I don't think so unless he went very late and I just didn't see it. Xavier... He did, did not go yet. I think it's the same. Xavier McKinney. I think it's the same. Oh, no. He went to Dallas at 17. Okay. See, all right, cool. Okay. All right. Cool. Because he's the number one state team in a lot of people's mind. Is Grant Delpit there? Or did he go in the first round, too? Uh, uh, just, he did not go yet. Okay. I'm going to say Grant Delpit just because he's the next safety on the board for me. Uh, he did not. We actually go defensive. We go edge rusher. Okay. We pick Terrell Lewis, uh, Alabama. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Next, uh, right. Out yeah. Alabama. That's fine. Okay. So and then, then I, we get a thirty-nine pick. Okay. So no one's thirty-nine pick. I'm going to say it's uh, based off of the the first couple wide receivers being gone at this point. I say they take Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame, the wide receiver. Here's why I'm saying wide receiver in this spot, right? Um, is because for a couple reasons. Number one, had a great combine, ran real fast, ran a four four forty, right? Nothing touched the ground when he caught the ball. It's a guy that I don't think enough people are talking about that helped his level quite a bit. And I don't think you're going to be able to get him in the third. So in this scenario here, I think you need another wide receiver. And I think this dude could fit your Marvin Jones role, where if you don't want to keep Marvin after this year, I think you take him. But maybe that's too high. I don't know. Mm -hmm. He's my Paris Campbell of this year's draft, where I liked his combine workout quite a bit. I was extremely impressed. And I thought he did quite a bit for himself, especially knowing that T. Higgins, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Judy and Ruggs are all probably going to go round one. Mm-hmm. I think after that, it's just based off your preference, and I think he fits Marvin's spot pretty good. Okay. Um, I'm guessing all, I'm wrong. but With all that great analysis, <laughs> yeah. right. you were wrong. Yeah. Uh, we end up taking the offensive guard out of Fresno State. Yeah. Nateen Muti. Right, yeah. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't shock me either. They take an offensive lineman. But I, I would almost... It, it's going to be weird. That's why I think you almost need to take... It's almost like you almost are really going to need that other first-round pick mm-hmm. this year because I think then you take an Edre I right, and then the second round, whatever, you take yeah. the interior offensive lineman just because of that need right there because they have a lot of needs. So in this draft, they're trying to fill spots. Theoretically, wide receiver is not a quote-unquote need, mm-hmm. but it's going to be. And yeah. so for me, I'm like, all right, well, if the guy's there... Go for it. But all right. Anybody else? Where does um, he go, dude? Is he a goal in the second round at all? Uh, he does not. He doesn't? I've not <laughs> seen his name pop up yet. <laughs> I overdrafted. So. <laughs> um, t- notable names. Tim yeah. Bate takes DeAndre Swift out of Georgia okay. at 45. Any other quarterbacks um, go in the second round? Does... Qu- quarterbacks? Yeah, quarterbacks. Uh, we get Jake Fromm goes to Tennessee at 61. Weird, but okay. Because they don't have a guy there, I guess. Yeah. And um, Ben Bredson out of Michigan, offensive guard, goes to Seattle at 59. Okay. So, so Jalen Hurts is still there in the third, he is, then. He okay. is still there. All right. Just give me who the Lions take in the third. I'm not third round, it. I think you might love this. They take J.K. Dobbins at 67. Oh, boy. If he's still there, I am doing backflips, my friend. Heck, yeah. I'm all about that. Yes, sir. Rebob. And then later in the third round... You find, I'm pretty sure, you get Josh Uche going to Tennessee also yeah. from Michigan. If they get a couple second rounders, I think Uche's on the board for oh, them yes. because he was on the senior bowl team for them too. I definitely think Uche's on their board in the middle rounds. And your guy Jalen Hurts will drop to 99 to New England. Oh, of course. Of course he goes there. God bless America. See? Belichick scouting too. Same. Yeah. He's got the same eyes as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got the exact same eyes. Seven Super Bowls as far. Eight Super Bowls, whatever. <laughs> Claypool doesn't even go in the third either. Seriously? Man, I thought, like I said, I thought he had a hell of a day 
uh, combine wise. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I fell in love with the guy because I just thought he looked good. I don't know what it was, but I legit. I like I said, ran a fast forty. You know, got great hands for my opinion. The numbers match. You know what Notre Dame's offensive output could be. You know, like I said, just a guy that I that for me kind of jumped off the screen a little yeah. bit. You know. Um, I have guys like that, you know, like Simmons, obviously, from tape alone, right? Delpit, just from his final four, a couple games, I thought went really well. There are certain guys that just kind of jump off the screen for you, especially in relation to your team. He was a guy, for me, that just was like, oh, I didn't really know of him during the season, but wow, coming out of it. You know, mm-hmm. you got some numbers to play with. But, all right, not a terrible draft. You know, they, they address some needs there. But, all right, that's going to be it for this week's episode of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. Like I said, every single week we are live Monday, 7 a.m. This episode will be uploaded on YouTube Wednesday, 7 a.m. Be sure to check out our website, IamAlwaysRightPC.com. Uh, that's going to be it from the Missing Whaleman for the Merck Zone. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.